And here we are back again with another episode here, Live It With Jake Sullivan, and we are kind of on this um, talk about prejudice and racism and the things that are going on in our world with social justice issues. We are, and it's always fun. We, we want this podcast to be culturally relevant, and, and what are we walking through today, and then ultimately just how do we live out the gospel in the midst of what is going on in our culture. Right, exactly. And so last week we actually talked about, if we're jumping right into it, we talked about um, um, the definition of racism as it used to be historically, how it has been skewed by current language and ideas, um, and just like kind of what racism has become today. Um, The idea and philosophy behind biological racism, that was a really interesting conversation that we had because like, I think it's really true and we don't even really notice it. Like just kind of that, um, uh, what, what, what did we call it? That, um, that buzzword of systematic racism was kind of what we were talking about, Jake. Yeah, and, and, and it, you know, it stems from sin. It stems from hatred of the heart. It stems from upbringing and background, and there's yeah. so many components that go into it. And, and you know, so we, we really talked about, too, you know, there's, there's one battle of racism, which I, I believe is only fought through the gospel. Right. And it is the gospel that, that breaks down a hardened heart full of hatred towards another, Amen. softens the heart, transforms the heart to where you love other people, as as Christ loves you, Amen. But yeah. we have we have greater fights, and and I think some of our greater fights even are prejudice and injustice. Yeah, two fights that I think we we are going to be able, or at least make a dent in winning on this side of eternity. Right. I think the gospel just slowly, one person at a time, transfers heart transforms hearts. But as long as sin exists, racism is going to exist. But how do we fight the battles of prejudice and injustice in our society? Yeah, and Amen, Amen. That's so true. And I mean, even last week, we touched a little bit on prejudice. So as we're kind of this episode, we're going to actually title um, a call for experience, prejudice, a call for experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that there's just such a lack of experience and knowledge um, in in the white community and in, and, and in just so many communities. We just don't really understand what is prejudice because we all face it or deal with it, or deal it out in some way, shape, or form, because we live in a sinful and fallen world. So, Jake, just kind of moving into this, like, what is prejudice, and what is experience dealing with yeah, that? Yeah, you know, prejudice, as I've thought about it, is is just, it's, it's literally a prejudgment of a certain group of people. And that can be any any particular group of people, and those prejudgments are are typically based on either a lack of experience with a specific people group or an abundance of negative experiences mm. with a certain people group. So take the black community right now and and their abundance of negative experiences with the police. So you make a prejudgment on all police. Right. Well, all police aren't racist. All police are not trying to take the lives of black people, but you have an abundance of negative experiences, mm. so you make a prejudgment on an entire group of people. I did it coming into Grace Church. I had no experience with the homeschool community. I grew up as one as an unbeliever, as an athlete in the public school system. Right. So I had prejudgments or preconceived notions of the typical kid that is homeschooled. I get into Grace Church and 50% of my students that I minister to to are homeschooled. It began right. to change how I thought about the homeschool community, but my prejudgments were, you know, not culturally relevant, uh, socially isolated, um, mm-hmm. introverted, 
super smart. You know, all those judgments I made on the homeschool community and my prejudgments of the homeschool community did not change until I had direct experience and positive experience with him. Right, right. And like, I can actually really, really relate to that too in two different ways. Um, so I like was involved with theater basically throughout my entire life. And I actually had, um, well, my entire high school career at, at least. And I started off in middle school kind of doing a little bit of sports. I was in uh, wrestling kind of my seventh through ninth grade year. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of fun in wrestling my first two years. My third year when I was in ninth grade, I had some not so great experiences with wrestling and just with sports people in general. And then I moved over to theater, really, really loving that um, environment and just being able to, you know, be weird, act, sing, dance, yeah. do all those kind of things that you think are kooky and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I kind of had like a prejudgment towards the um, specifically like the football and basketball mm -hmm. and hockey community yeah. because a lot of those people, this and this is specific to a T, how they treated women in the school. Mm. Yeah. And I hated it. Yeah. Like I looked at it and I was like, I hate that. And so every single one of like specifically the guys on those sports teams, I had so much prejudice towards them whether or not they were they were African American, a white guy, Asian, you know, yeah. like Hispanic, whatever it was, I just did not like them. I despised well, them. And it's so funny you say it cuz as basketball players, we were like that with the baseball players. Huh. We couldn't stand baseball players. Right. And and baseball players had their own community. They remained fairly isolated as a as a group of athletes mm -hmm. where the basketball, the football, the wrestling, the hockey, they'd all hang out together, but then the baseball click was over here. So we had all kinds of prejudgments about mm. baseball players. And and I think that is just sin in our world. You know, we often think about prejudice just being a black-white issue. Right, right. And it's it is a black-white issue. It is. Um, but it's it's bigger than that. It's it's one right. people group making a prejudgment about another people group based on a lack of experience most often or abundance of negative experiences like we talked about earlier. Yeah, and that like even brings me to another um, little thought that I had in my mind. Like, <clears throat> um, So I grew up in New Mexico, and a lot of the people in New Mexico are, um, I mean, there's some, uh, there's, there's quite a few white people, right, that live down in there, like mm -hmm. some weird white guys that are just kind of like living in their trailers. It's a weird place in New Mexico, but there's also a ton of Latin Americans yeah. um, and, and really just also Latin immigrants. Um, and in New Mexico specifically, there it, they, it is like notoriously known in most schools um, and public areas there um, for like their teen pregnancy. Mm, and for mm -hmm. their crime rates, mm -hmm. right? It is normal for most women by the age of 16 to have had one child at least yeah. already. And that's crazy to think about, especially in today's day, right? Maybe if we were living in like the 1700s <laughs> or something like that, where women would be married off by the age of 13 and be, you know, having two, three kids by the time they're 18. Like, like that was normal. Today, yeah. that is not, not normal. normal, right? That's not normal. And so my parents actually homeschooled us kids while we were in New Mexico and until we moved up here to Minnesota um, and we finally found a school where they were like, yes, like we can get on board with that. It was yeah. like a charter school, which is, for those of you who don't know, a private school that is publicly funded, yep. right? So, um, and then and then I went to a public high school and so did 
now have all my siblings and all that kind of stuff. But here, my point that I'm trying to get to is I had a lot of prejudice towards, you know, the Latin American community mm-hmm. because of what I experienced and because of what so many people would say, like all oh, those immigrants, like, yeah. you know, taking our jobs, taking this, that, and the other thing. Um, now kind of on the flip side of it, um, I am engaged to a Latin woman. <laughs> Her name is Elizabeth. <laughs> God works. Um, and, um, and like, I mean, like, it wasn't really ever something that was super, like, like that I really knew about because I had a lot of Latin friends yeah. when I was little and growing up, um, and and I loved it. I love the culture. I love the families. I love how, just how family-centered yeah. the Latin culture is. It amazes me, and I love it. Um, but there was always kind of, like, that thing in the back of my mind where I'm, like, aren't, like, are they criminal? Are they not? Like, are they trying to, are they like doing drugs all the time? Like just kind of like this thing in the back of my mind, because that's how everyone reacted. Yeah. Right. And it, and we have to recognize it. Right. You know, I think that's the place that we have to start is that we all carry different prejudgments of people. Hmm. We yeah. all have a bent towards prejudice and we have to be willing and okay to say, I do. I think there's there's a a segment of our community who wants to resist the reality of it, but oh, yeah. it, but it's but it's true, and it can be from one athlete group to an ex athlete group. It can be color of skin. It can be people group to people group. It can be so many things. It can be immigrant communities, mm. right? It can be the you know here. It can be so often the Somali community that oh, yeah. is around oh, yeah. us and how isolated they are. So you start making prejudgments of them. Yeah, and none of it's true. Right, but the fact of the matter is it's sin. It's, it's sin. sin. We live it's in sin. a sinful world, so this stuff happens. We cannot deny it. We have to stop denying that prejudice exists. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing that we are trying to focus on today and, and talk about today. Like, this cannot be overlooked. We need, like, p- part of being a Christian is admitting that we are sinners, right? <laughs> and and this is what we must do, right? Um, and so... I guess, and, kind and, of, and we have real quick saying, well, we have yeah. put sin in a box. I think often as Christians, in particular, the white evangelical church, mm-hmm. and we we label sin sexual immorality, um, drug abuse, or alcohol addiction, adultery, pornography. Um, you, you, we throw all that sin in a box, but we don't think about the prejudgments of people groups or certain types of people as sin, right? We just we just don't correlate the two, and I think if we're going to make strides as the white evangelical church to fight prejudice and injustice and racism, we have to recognize that we all carry a little bit of that in our heart. Exactly. And and we've got to cry out to the Lord, like, rid me of it, and mm. then also we Amen. need to try to embrace new experiences so we can understand different people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. What is it? If we would, if we were to define prejudice, um, here is what I found online as like a dictionary definition of prejudice. Bear, bear with me. There's a lot of words. So prejudice is an effective feeling towards a person based on their perceived group membership. The word is often used to refer to a preconceived, usually unfavorable evaluation of a person based on that person's political affiliation sex, gender, beliefs, values, social class, age, disability, religion, uh, maybe sexuality, race, ethnicity, language, nationality, beauty, occupation, education, criminality, sports team affiliation, 
or other personal characteristics, right? So this is not limited to or exclusive to these things, right? Um, and there's a lot in there. But I think when we are talking about prejudice, right, there's a lot of things that can play into it. Whether, like, it, it's and it's kind of like that, what do we judge as worse than this thing, yeah. right? I believe somebody, like, 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 let's say, you know, I believe that if somebody claims to be gay, that is worse than somebody who goes and steals from a grocery store. Mm -hmm. So I am going to prejudge this person more than this person who does this, yeah. right? And it's kind of, and there's, because we live in a sinful world, there's always that prejudice where we put a label on things worse than something else. When the fact of the matter is the Bible has said, if you have sinned in one area, you are guilty of, of breaking yeah. all of the law. Yeah. And that's a heavy passage. That is a heavy yeah. message. And, and I, but I think a lot of it comes back to what are my experiences? Right. You know, if my experiences are CNN and NBC News, I'm probably going to create prejudgments of a certain group of people. Yeah. You know, if, if all I watch is CNN, I'm going to make prejudgments of the far right, the Republican and the conservatives. If I only watch Fox News, right. I'm going to make prejudgments of the left and the liberal community. You know, and if if I if my only experience is Eden Prairie, Minnesota, it which is predominantly a white community and I don't have any context for a different socioeconomic status that may occur in right. North Minneapolis or South Minneapolis, I'm going to make prejudgments. Mm. And and I think it it all stems back to what are our experiences with certain people groups and yeah. the recognition of our own sin. We mm. want to explain away sin. And I think that's what we often want to do. So we want to we want to place the sin of the death of George Floyd on all the police. Like we need to explain no, we're right. sinful. There's an element of racism and prejudice there that caused the death mm. of George Floyd. That doesn't mm. mean all police are bad. Mm. There are elements of it but that doesn't mean all. And we always want to put all into a group. Right. You know, and I think about, you know, you go on and on with just different examples. And I think the more we recognize that we're making judgments of people groups based on life experiences or lack of. Right. Um, we really need to check our own hearts in yeah. the midst of that. Amen. So, um, so as we kind of like talk a little bit more about this, um, prejudice is kind of a new term. And by new, I really mean like, within the last 100 years, um, has it really been used in common vocabulary, mm. right? So it's existed, nevertheless, yeah. but it has really began to be used within kind of the past 100 years as so much has changed since like the 20th century to now we are in the 21st century, right? So I'm just going to talk a little bit on the history of the word prejudice. Um, some of the first research was um, done on prejudice and the idea of prejudice really started in the 1920s, and it was really meant to prove white supremacy existed, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we know, we know it did, and we know it does in some capacity, right? People who really are hard on that you know, white is the dominant race, all that kind of stuff. We yeah. see that all the time, you know, kind of flat out mm -hmm. racism, right? Yes. Um, and so, and it's kind of like the belief that white people are superior to people of other races and therefore should be dominant over them. 
White supremacy has roots in the now discredited doctrine of scientific racism and often relies on pseudoscientific arguments. Um, so it's really just a deep study on like what is white supremacy? What do people believe when they have when they have that kind of forward belief or forward thought? Um, and like most other movements, such as like neo-Nazism, white supremacists typically oppose members of other races as well as Jews. So it's really kind of like anyone who is not white is like on the bottom of the totem pole. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what was really being studied in the 1920s. So theorists, right, began to study the idea of prejudice. A specific theorist named Theodore Adorno began to step forward with some interesting theories in the 1920s. He believed that prejudice stemmed from an authoritarian Sorry, authoritarian personality. He believed that people with authoritarian personalities were the most likely to be prejudiced against groups of lower status, right? So this was like this was like the 1920s, and this was the very yeah. beginning of the research, right? Baseline is those people with that kind of a personality believe that anyone who was not like them was under them, mm. right? Exactly. And since this time period... Um, studies kind of moved into the 1970s, um, kind of after the civil rights movement where prejudice may be less because one race should be more domineering, but simply more because one favors one's own group over people of another group, mm. right? And so um, there's a woman named Marilyn Brewer, wh who was a theorist also, that believed prejudice may be caused not because of hatred towards outside groups, but because of a comfort and a positive experience within one's own group yeah. and an unwillingness to move outside of that. We see that a ton yeah, today, mm -hmm. specifically like um, in this community, right? Like Eden Prairie, Minnesota, very comfortable place to yeah. live. You know what you're going to expect. You know where you're going to live. You know that there's not a whole ton of crime going on. You know that there's solid police force that like get their job done and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Who is willing to move out of that once they've become a part of it? Well, who's willing to move out? And the other question is, are Christians willing to move out? I think that's, right, the, exactly. greater, that's like, the greater that's question. And one of the things exactly. that has shocked me um, being inside the church as, as a whole is, is the unwillingness to move outside of our collective people groups. And, and I, I, would, I would give our students a hard time when I first started. I said, it looks like a Christian gang. And, and really, a gang is defined by a group of people that move everywhere together. It's hard to get in, and it's hard to get out. And that's how we have often lived, I think, too often mm. as a Christian community. We stay in that Christian bubble. That wasn't the example Jesus set. Mm. Right? He came, and all of a sudden, he's reclining at the table with sinners and tax collectors who were as far unlike him as could be Jesus perfect all holy mm. God in human flesh sitting with sinners and tax collectors mm. and mm -hmm. the Pharisees and Sadducees are saying that's not who he's supposed to hang out mm. with mm -hmm. those are not the experiences he's supposed to have yep. but I think it's our, our our innate sinful nature to get like like you were saying saying get into our comfortable area where right. we feel safe and protected and have positive experience not willing to go outside that bubble and then in our comfortable area that's where we make the prejudgments of other groups of people. Yeah, this is very true. Um, and with that being said, like moving forward, so nowadays this is this is kind of like a recent um, 1996 study by a woman 
whose name is Elizabeth, and that's without a Z, that is with an S. Elizabeth Young Brule, um, and that is her full name, um, who was born on March 3rd, 1946, passed away December 1st, 2011, and she was an American academic and psychotherapist. Um, and basically, she studied a lot of the ideas behind prejudice as it applies to today's day. Um, I actually stole this directly from Wikipedia because I didn't know how to reword it. So I'm just going to re just basically say what I saw on this um, basically study on Elizabeth. And so it says basically that she argued that prejudiced, prejudice cannot be treated in the singular. One should rather speak of different prejudices as a characteristic of different character types. Her theory defines prejudice as being social defenses, distinguishing mm. between an obsessional character structure, primary linked with anti-Semitism, hysterical characters, primarily associated with racism and narcissistic characters linked with sexism. So kind of like moving into this society now, like prejudice becomes this defense mechanism for us, it right? Does. It's like, I am not a prejudiced person. I'm not racist. So, like, I can't be bad. But you are being prejudiced towards me because you think I'm being prejudiced mm -hmm. towards you. And now it's this whole everyone is putting up yeah. a defense because they want to ignore the fact that things exist. And that is what we have been seeing every single day. That's why people have been saying, like, all over social media, like silence, silence is violence yeah. because it's this defense thing where people are like, I'm just not going to speak out because I don't think it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some of, I, without a question, I think there's some of that. And, and I think one of the things that, that helps in the midst of all of it is if you can reflect on times that you mm. yourself has, have experienced prejudice and, and there's a variety of contexts, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, my time in chat Africa, as as I would go, I would go ten to fourteen days in Chad Africa and maybe not see another white person, mm. and get on a bus, predominantly a, a public transportation bus to travel across the country, being the only white person on the bus, or maybe one or two Christians on the entire bus, predominantly Muslim bus, and the prejudgments that would be made about me the moment I walked on that bus, and no one said a word, you could feel it, right. You could right. feel as soon as I walked on that bus, like, what is this guy doing here? Um, as an athlete, I think about the experiences that I've had. Um, how many people thought I could not play Division One basketball, mostly because I'm six foot and white. Right. There's just not a lot of us mm -hmm. in that field. Mm -hmm. And and now based on experiences and, and former coaches that either coached against me or played against me or recruited me, they'll say, well, we need another Jake Sullivan. And I'm huh. like... They're all over the place. They're mm -hmm. out there. The problem is you make prejudgments about every six-foot white guy when it comes to playing Division One basketball. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I experienced that, and I felt it. And it wasn't even always something that was necessarily said. Right. You could feel it. Right. And I think that's where the black community right now in particular, they're crying out. And 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 they're even crying out in a way where, where right, silence is, is, is sin. Is like, like, you don't even have to say anything. I can feel it. Right. I can feel the prejudgments you're making about me. I was with somebody, I was with a ministry friend the other day and said, mm. everybody is leaving Minneapolis as, as the defund police movement comes and maybe crime rates go up a little bit. And, and all these other things that are happening in Minneapolis, people are fleeing. And I said, well, mm. if the world is fleeing, 
shouldn't Christians be going in? Huh, yeah. But we make this prejudgment on South Minneapolis, like, that's not where you want to go, right? Crime rates. Well, no, they're people. Right, people exactly, exactly. Who, who have walked through tremendous suffering over the over maybe their history, but especially the last few months in the midst of this, and that's yeah. where we should be going. Right. But I think as as Christians, we got to think about or put ourselves in situations where maybe prejudice is against us. Yeah. And how does that feel? What is that experience like? And the mm. Lord has given me personally so many experiences in Africa, and then in the context of Division One athletics, where it doesn't feel good, mm. right? And yeah. you got to fight that much harder. Like I had to fight so much harder to become a Division One basketball player because I was six foot and white. If yeah. I was six six and black, my path would have been a whole lot easier to be in a Division One basketball player. Mm. Right? right. So it's a and that's what that's what the black community is crying out for right now is saying. Our path is so much harder to get our kids a good education. Right. Um, property taxes are what pay the public schools, and the property taxes are low in Minneapolis, so we don't have the same access to education. Mm. Their path and their journey is harder, and we need to be willing to admit right. that. And I think that's where this, in like— the evangelical church. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think that's where this, like, whole defense thing comes from, mm -hmm. too, because when you're talking about, like, you can feel it, I would go as deep to say that you can feel it in your spirit mm -hmm. because there is a spiritual realm, like the word says, that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the spirits of the, of, of the spiritual realm, right? Yeah. The evil spirits of the spiritual realm that are trying to attack us day in and day out. That is Satan trying to tear us down and turn us against one another, right? And, and like when we can feel it, that defense goes up where it's that spirit of like, I, I just don't want to be a part of it or mm -hmm. like, I don't want to admit it. And, and so to try and like defend the fact that, oh, nothing is happening. They have the exact, like, like black people have the exact same um, opportunities as white <laughs> people. They're treated the exact same way as white people. You know, like we abolished slavery in the sixties. Right. And so like, we don't, you know, we don't need that. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we have, we, we, civil rights movement happened. We're fine. Right. And I know I'm just kind of like spitting out a little bit of words right now, but it's how else to explain and hammer in the fact that we need to stop defending untruth. We do. We need to stop defending untruth and we need to recognize, right? Like this has been from the fall, from Genesis three, where the fall of man, all the way through scripture, right. prejudice has existed. Exactly. And it is a sin issue. You know, we see it. I, I just pulled up Jonah and where the word of the Lord came to Jonah and, and said, hey, arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. Mm. And and Jonah's like, I'm not going there. One, they're evil people, right? It, two, they can't be saved by God. There's no way God can save a people group like that. I'm not going. You know, just even the prejudgments mm. that a guy like Jonah had on the city of Nineveh, and, and we don't know for sure, but we don't think Jonah had any experience in Nineveh prior right, to right. the call of God. Well, why would he? Correct. And we, we see it in John chapter 4. Judah Smith's been doing an amazing series on John chapter 4, but Jewish people walked around Samaria. Jesus says, no, I'm going to end this. I'm going to walk through Samaria. I'm going to sit at the well. I'm going to meet a woman during the middle of the day that's had five mm. husbands, and the man she's currently with is not her husband. And I am going to give my disciples a different experience of Samaria and right. that the gospel can come there. Right. And I think as Christians, we need to realize 
one prejudice exists. It has existed from the, the fall of man in Genesis 3 all the way through Scripture, and we need to go mm-hmm. there with the gospel. We need to go there and provide experiences, and you're going to realize these are people just like you and I. Exactly. Yeah, that is so true. Um, so, Jake, I want to ask you this question, and, um, and I want us to chew on it just a little bit. How can we, as two things, how can we as a community of evangelical Christians and even a community of unbelievers, right, still aware of the situation, how can we become more aware of prejudice and actively fight against it? I, I think the only way we actively fight against it is we have to go to those groups that we have prejudgments on. Hmm. And we have to go to those places. And and one of the things that the Lord has really stirred my heart as, as I'm a head of young adult ministry here at Grace Church is to partner with some of my black friends in Minneapolis and even a church with a different denomination, the AG Church with Christ Church International, and do a young adult ministry hmm. and say, come. And let's have people in South Minneapolis experience people in Eden Prairie and people in Eden Prairie experience people in St. Paul and black people experience white people and Hispanic people, you know, engage mm. with black people and, and vice versa. That whole circle. Yeah. We got to create a diverse community. That's what it's going to look like in heaven. Right? It says that that will be all people groups, right? From every tribe, every tongue and every nation worshiping together before the father. So mm. I think we have to pursue that as a church and as Christ followers. And God yeah. is going to open up those doors. And it's not always how we think he's going to open up those doors to go and have those experiences. I think of Philip in Acts 8, where the church in Jerusalem had been persecuted and scattered. Mm-hmm. And that's what pushed him to Samaria. Mm-hmm. And and where the gospel started going out in Samaria through that. So we have to be aware of how is God moving in my life. Right. It doesn't mean that everybody runs down to South Minneapolis, so i got to have these experiences. No. How is God moving? Who has God put in your sphere of influence? Who has God put in your neighborhood? How can you reach out? What are the needs that have been brought to you or that you are aware of that you can meet of different groups of people that you may not understand or have prejudgments on? And then we go to those places. Right. And it's going to look different for all of us. For me, it might be starting a young adult ministry in South Minneapolis. For somebody else, it might be their Somali neighbor. Hmm. For somebody else, it might be their Hispanic neighbor. For the... A black person, it might be heading out to eat in Prairie and saying, wait, these people understand me, right? So mm-hmm. it's a it, it's a context that, that I think many are going to have to fall into. Black, right. white, blue, green, orange. We, we have to have experiences <laughs> with one another based on how, how the Lord is moving his people. Yeah, yeah, amen, amen. And so kind of like final thoughts, um, I was reading in Galatians. Uh, Galatians 3, and it kind of moves through this talk about faith and works and who we are as Christ's people as opposed to the works-based people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of says, and I'm just going to start in 23 and move through the rest of um, of this chapter, um, and, he's, and Paul says, Now before faith... Before faith came, we were held captive under the law. 
imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. And there he's talking about Christ Jesus. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for all are one in Christ Jesus. Amen. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And basically what this says is there is no other way to truly unite people in one heart, mm-hmm. one spirit, and one faith unless through Christ Jesus alone. That's it. And that is and that is the answer that we have to this issue yeah. because prejudice is going to continue on until the coming again of Jesus Christ. And the only way to unite all people is through a faith in Jesus who died for everyone that we might all be saved. That is our commonality, the gospel. And are we in Christ? And may believers, mm. Sam, begin to live this out. Yeah. Right? And and doesn't mean I have to hang out with every people group, but we know that all groups are the same who are in Christ. And yeah. Those are our brothers and sisters. No matter how they look, or where they go or where they live and, and may God continue to do a different thing. We fight prejudice and justice and racism through the lens of the gospel. Yeah. Amen. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys were able to glean something from that. Um, I certainly was even by reading that last part of yeah. Galatians, but God is good. If you guys have anything for us, please contact us at um, our handle on Instagram, live it underscore podcast. Um, yeah. And we hope to see you guys next time. We'll do it again. Yeah.